Hello, creepy cats. Welcome to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. Today, the twins are sharing their own personal experiences with true crime. Please be aware that this episode will discuss assault. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Ooh, that's creepy. We are back with another episode in the new year, 2022, and we're going to be telling more personal stories today. Whoop! I hope you guys liked our ghost stories. I know they were pretty crazy. I'm still thinking about those honey barbecue Fritos. Fritos. Floating out in the abyss somewhere. I hope whatever entity on this earth uh, moved them that they thought that was funny. If I find one more, I'm trading my car in. (laughs) I know. But it is so hard to pull that little area. It hurts my fingers every time I try to look at anything, you know, in that little area of the car. I know, and that's exactly why if I find one more, I'm trading my car in. Because if I find one more, it's intentional. And it was, like, (laughs) magically levitated out of that spot. It knew. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, let's not bring that up again. So today I'm going to be telling all of you guys my personal crime story. And Melissa has a little crime story too. Yeah, and it's crazy because it really is crazy when you think about the fact we haven't talked about this because you're a little... The incident that happened with you is kind of a reason why we started this podcast, and it affected our life a lot, so it is crazy thinking of all the crimes we've talked about and stuff, and we just haven't mentioned this. It's not huge, but still. Yeah, it's crazy. We'll just talk about the aftermath afterwards. It was huge for Jackie. Yeah, it was a big deal, obviously, in my life, but it wasn't like... I'll just tell it. So, this was in 2019, I believe, January, so it's like three years now, and I was sleeping at my boyfriend's apartment, and I had done that like a couple times before, you know, it was normal, and I had stuff to do the next day early, so we went to bed at like... Huh. When did we go to bed? I don't know. Maybe like 10, 11 o'clock. Not super late or anything like that. And I am a super light sleeper. Like any sort of sound, I will wake up. Even if you open the door, I definitely am the type that will wake up. Yeah, I swear, like my boyfriend will breathe differently and I'll be like, what was that? Oh, same. The sound of my dog's pause clicking. That wakes me up. Everything. I'm a really light sleeper. Always happen. Always will. (laughs) But, so yeah, I'm a very light sleeper. My boyfriend is like the most heaviest sleeper on earth. 
literally such a heavy sleeper in the type when you wake them up and they're not even fully awake. They're basically sleepwalking. You know how guys do that? Okay, question. What is it? Is it truly just that, like, men sleep more sound? Because I don't I understand. Swear. Because I don't understand how they do that where it's so hard to wake them up. But with women, yeah. one little thing. I don't know. Maybe it's because the fact maybe our bodies naturally wake up quicker because... I don't know, the sound of a crying baby or something, we're up fast. Maybe. It's, like, programmed into our DNA. I have no idea. But I, I definitely think that is, like, a common thing with guys. I've just heard so many girls say that, that boys are so hard to wake up. Yeah. They're not fully up. They're just, like... And they have to take an hour to poop. Another thing I'll never understand, why does it take them so long to poop? <laughs> Yeah, that much, I don't know. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, questioning, questioning. Questioning life. The existence of The male men. gender. <laughs> Sorry, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> obviously, we're not saying anything bad about you. Let us know, though. If, like, I swear <laughs> to God, if you're a guy and you're a light sleeper, like, I'm not even joking. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I need someone to confirm. Confirm or deny what we're talking about. Anyway, anyway yeah. So... It was maybe 12.30, around 1-ish. We had gone to bed. I had fallen asleep. We both had, obviously. And I was awoken to the sound of the fire alarm going off. And most people would be, because fire alarms are really loud. But it's just, you know, like the second it started going off, I was wide awake and out of bed. And trying to get my boyfriend up and out of bed, but he is such a heavy sleeper. I basically just put clothes on him, and we walked out the door. And I was only wearing, I thought it was going to be like a quick fire alarm, like an accident or something. So I just had shorts on, boots, and a winter jacket. So I get my boyfriend dressed, and we're walking out of the apartment because... The fire alarm is going off, and what else do you do? And his uh, door was really close to the apartment entrance and exit. It was, like, maybe 50 feet. And I could see when we got outside of the door down the hallway where the doors are to leave the apartment and then into the other side of the apartment, you know, like... If you walk in through the front doors, it's a split hallway. You can go right or left. So we're walking down the hallway to leave, and we get right in front of the doors, and my boyfriend is walking out the doors, and this guy comes out of nowhere, like, around the corner, and is naked, completely naked. Yeah, full frontal, naked man. Foul. (laughs) Naked man. He's not a whole, he looked like mid-twenties. He was built, I'd say maybe six foot-ish from what I could tell. And he came around the corner and he just did not look completely normal. Like I could just tell that something was wrong with him. And he asked, he just said, do you hear that? And I like assumed he was talking about the fire alarm and I was just really confused So I just said, yeah, and I turned to walk out of the apartment doors and walked out, but it was was still really, really loud. When he even asked me that, he was, like, screaming in my face, 
And so when we walked out, it's kind of a little blurry. But the next thing I knew, I was on the ground and I just could, I could like, it was kind of like a movie to be honest. I could hear before I could really see and I could just hear myself screaming like bloody murder for help. And I was like screaming my boyfriend's name and just, yeah, saying like, help me, help me and stuff. And then I kind of like the first thing I really knew what I was looking at was like this little old lady who I had seen in the apartment building all the time. She was out there smoking a cigarette, and she was obviously not, like, mid-smoke. She had it in her hands, but she was so startled. I remember looking at her, and she just looked terrified. And I realized that the naked guy was on top of me and, like, trying to hold me down by my throat. Like, he had his hands around my throat, but I was also flailing and yelling instantly and stuff like that. So it was hard for him to really do anything, but he, I couldn't get up obviously. And he was just like on top of me and holding me down by my throat and trying to get his hands at my throat, I guess is the only way I can really describe it. But it was pretty quick before my boyfriend was right there behind him. And when my boyfriend ran up, the naked guy turned around, got off. He must have heard my boyfriend coming, so he got up and turned around. And him and my boyfriend kind of, like, had a stare down, both squared up, basically. But the guy, naked guy, started backing up towards the apartment. And then he picked up a trash can. And, like, for a second, I didn't know if he was going to throw it on me or, like, what he was going to do with that. But he picked up the trash can and he opened the apartment front door and just like propped the door open with the trash can and then ran back inside the apartment building and ran back to his room. And so when that, all of that happened in the matter of two minutes from the time I had seen him to when he was back in his apartment. It happened. It all happened so fast. I barely had time to process what was even happening. And my boyfriend was just standing over top of me and just saying like, he just looked so scared and just saying like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't believe that just happened. And he just was like, you have to get up. And I remember saying, like, I can't stand, I can't get up, I can't, and he was just like, you have to get up, and so he picked me up, and the little old lady, like, I remember her too, was like, do you know him? Like, but do you know him? And I was like, no, I have no idea who that guy is. I have never seen that person in my life. You need to call 911. Oh my god. That was just like all I could really say. Yeah. And my boyfriend was like, yeah, someone called 911 basically. And it was also at this point that other people were coming outside because it was obviously the fire alarm. So like other people, everybody from the apartment building was coming outside at this time. And yeah, like I was just so scared and just I was definitely in shock. I couldn't even process what was happening. I was just shaking. Like, I could barely stand. My boyfriend just had to hold me up because I was just petrified, shaking uncontrollably. And then the guy, naked guy, was like, 
in his room. He was back in his apartment room, and they had uh, sliding glass doors and little balconies in the apartment. He was, like, throwing stuff over his little balcony window thing. To escape or just random objects? Just random stuff, like bread and stuff like that. Because the next day we saw it, like, in the daylight, like, the remnants of food and stuff that he had thrown over the balcony. The hell? Yeah, it was very strange behavior. I mean, I kind of, I hate to say it, but when he turned the corner, it was, like, one of my first thoughts. This guy looks like he's on something. But they, that was later confirmed (laughs) that he was on something. I don't remember exactly what. I do not remember. But uh, drugs were involved in that scenario for him. But, uh, so... What we were like just waiting there, and the fire station is really close to the apartment building, so they were there maybe two more minutes after I got up and was like just standing there. They were there really, really quick, and they were there just like for the fire alarm. But somebody must have called the police or something because the police were there really, really quickly, too. And there were a lot of police like, I'd say eight police officers were there. And they just went, like, squatting and, like, they said the guy put up a fight. I don't know if they had to, I don't know how they got him to comply, but he was clothed when he, I actually don't remember now when I think back if he, if they took him out, like, when I was still talking to the police or not, or if they did that after I went back to the room. I honestly don't remember, (laughs) but... Then two police officers just came and questioned me, and I will say it was a couple girl officers who were younger, and they were just, like, talking about their night and how they didn't really want to be working. That did kind of hurt my feelings, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is all honesty about, like, the story. I have no hate at police at all, but... It did really, it kind of hurts, you know, when you're, like, just went through something so traumatizing and you're telling another police officer what just happened. And there are two other officers just saying they want to go home and then they don't want to be there. It's like, well, just please, like, come on now, talk about that when you're just not around the victim. Like, it hurts. (laughs) Especially as a female, it's kind of one of those things where you just would expect that after you told another female that a naked man just tried to strangle you on the sidewalk, that they would just be more compassionate. So, yeah. And I mean, like, I know that they have to, obviously, I'm sure sometimes they forget how much trauma goes on with people. But, yeah, it's like no hate. It's like not even police. It's just basically anybody if you're working near people who have been traumatized or victims of anything. Like, just, you know, be mindful of what you say in the presence of others type thing. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, when I think about that night, that's just something that does stick out with me, and it always hurts a little bit when I think about that whole thing. But it's, like, so awkward when stuff like that happens. No one really talks about when you experience trauma like that like it isn't just what they show all the time in the movies and stuff like that like I talked to the police at the apartment for probably like 10 minutes after it happened and they took all my information and stuff and they asked if I wanted to go to the hospital and the ambulance because I probably had a concussion from falling and like from the guy pushing me 
and hitting my head on the concrete, but I was just like, no, at that point, like, I honestly just wanted to go back to bed and stuff, and so that was kind of that. They were just like, okay, like, we'll just call you and, like, let you know what happens after this, and they, like, gave me their number and stuff, and they were like, yeah, you're gonna get called to court soon, and that was that. By the whole time, it was, it was probably, like, I was done and over with the police at 2 a.m., I'd say, because then I had to call my parents, which is so awkward, because it's just, like, what do you even say? But I felt obligated to call them and tell them what had just happened because it was crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's so crazy to me how, you know, we really just take everything in life for granted because one minute you're in your apartment safe and sound, cozy, asleep. Yeah. The next the fire alarm goes off and you're outside and there is a stranger on top of you choking you and you are afraid for your life, it's crazy just how fast those things can happen, you know? Yeah, and it is, like, one thing I definitely remember when it was all happening, when he was on top of me, was just, like, this guy's trying to kill me. That was the exact thing I thought. He just had so much rage and, like, anger for no reason. It just felt like there was no controlling this guy for whatever reason. He just felt so angry. I really thought he is trying to kill me right now or at least seriously harm me. Like what other purpose does he have for hurting me right now? He can't rob me. I'm literally like in a shorts and a little jacket in January. Like I still wonder so that. I still wonder that to this day, what his intentions were, or if he was just so messed up on drugs that he didn't have any intentions. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm... Well, it's kind of sad that... I'm not going to say this person's name or anything, but after that happened, this whole thing happened... So so that night, I just, like... I My boyfriend dropped me off at home, and I told my parents everything that happened. My obviously very upset. Everyone was very upset. But then somehow I, I don't even know how I found this information out like so quickly, but I found out that, uh, a year before this, that this same guy attacked people on the highway, like literally got out of his car and tried to stab people with a hammer and like other various objects on the highway. And like the news article said he like banged on a car vehicle window and was trying to get in and it was a family with their two young kids in the back horrifying that's that's actually actually your worst nightmare yeah really scary so i'm not gonna like yeah i'm not gonna expose this guy because i do respect his privacy and like even though this is in the news like what happened to me wasn't so I mean, actually, no, you could find it because it is public record, but still, I'm not going to expose him because what's the point in that? Um, but that all happened. Obviously he was charged with like aggravated or or assault and strangulation and like a couple other things because I think he did some damage to the apartment, but he was the one that pulled the fire alarm too. Oh my god! So that was why it went off. And I'm assuming that I was just probably the first person that he had interacted with because 
I honestly think the old lady was probably outside smoking already because she always was outside smoking and I'm such a light sleeper and our door was close to the entrance that I think we were just like the first ones to get up and out there and it was just like he turned the corner and I was like right there you know so it was just like an easy target I guess type situation Mm -hmm. but then I you know I did have to go to the court and like testify against him and stuff and like see him and he looked different like more subdued obviously not uh raging but when I was there, it did make me feel better after I testified. And it was, like, in a court, a municipal court, where you're, like, in front of, like, maybe 50 to 100 people. Like, it's a room full of a lot of people. And you're just, like, testifying and saying all this, like, crazy stuff that happens to you. And so, um, I did all that. But I had, like, a advocate, like, a victim's advocate with me. So that was really nice. She was awesome. But afterwards after I testified and I was like outside in the hallway waiting for the whole thing to be over a female police officer who was just in there I guess just sitting in there listening came out and just said you know that's so crazy like you're so strong and it made me feel better about the other officers so that did that made me feel really good so yeah that makes it a little bit better you know but well and then see it's also the same thing that we just said before where in a traumatizing night. It's kind of like the little things, you know? Exactly. In a traumatizing night, a police officer saying that they're bored and they wish they could just go home is something that does hurt your feelings. Where, at the same time, if you could be the type of officer that says, I'm proud of you, or that just says something encouraging, or just says, you know, I'm here for you, things like that, that could be something that a person still thinks about to this day. So just... Just yeah, some. so true. Not even officers, just anyone who, you exactly. know, that we said breaking in that scenario. Just but, something to think about. Yeah, food for thought. <laughs> but that's kind of that. Well, <laughs> it was like, yeah. It's not kind of that. Why don't we talk a little bit about how, you know, how this affects you to this day? Because I think that that is... Something that we really wanted to focus with the podcast, a reason why we wanted to start it is because when these events happen, you know, people are like, oh, that's crazy after it happens. But in the next couple of days, in the next week or two, when you feel totally different, who is still there for you? You know, like things like that. Such a good point. That's actually a really good point. It was definitely a moment of like, not showing who my true friends were because it was like obviously the people who I thought were my friends were there for me definitely there for me but it's like once the story wears off who's there to check up on you again once people have gotten all the juice and the tea and like they you've told them the story who asks about your well-being after that that's really something that I feel like is in focus on and especially with true crime like mm-hmm. we tell a lot of these stories but it's like who's actually checking up on people and like on your friends or just anybody when they go through something traumatic a little bit afterwards because you know like you could be listening to this and I'm sure some of you just think maybe that it it was just someone grabbing you from the back and choking you and things like that it's not like she was almost murdered well first of all she almost was I think so (laughs) 
there's that. But second of all, you know, even something as simple as that, I mean, it's not simple, but that attack is something that now Jackie, anytime someone comes up and approaches her from behind, something she thinks about, something that interrupts her sleep schedule all the time. So... Yeah, it's definitely something like that two minutes without a doubt changed my life. And at this point it is for the better because it's like I have learned so much from it and just like been fully engulfed in self-development in like a really positive way. And I'm definitely like a much better person now. I couldn't even really tell the story without crying like maybe like two years ago, well one year ago. So it's just like everything has worked out for the better for me but it really just changed so much and one thing like being a true crime junkie and an addict is like it made me realize if this could happen to me the ultimate Uh crime queen it dead ass will happen to anybody like not that I come on not that I didn't know that before but it's just it really was like two minutes like if that guy I mean he could have had a weapon or something and right like, we you know. all exactly and we all say you know we love crime everyone does but just the little things of like how many times are you walking to your car at night and you cut for a couple seconds look down on your phone or answer yeah. that text or even if you are walking out from a fire alarm, who's behind you? You can't hear. Like, a time when maybe you don't have all your senses, but it's not a time that you normally think somebody would act a fool. It's just... It's sad, but, like, things... People will really... Any sort of weakness you mm-hmm. give or have, it's just can be taken advantage of really quick. And I just really hope that, you know, the point that I really want to take from Jackie's story is just the fact of trauma like this and things that happen like this really do affect people for the rest of their life. And I think that if we could all just be a little bit more considerate about things like that, I think it would make a big difference. And Jackie and I have talked before about kind of wanting to start something for survivors of trauma and things like that for when it's a year after a traumatic event and yeah. you still need someone like to talk to. a support to. group of all types of trauma or just anything true crime. Yeah, so let us know if that's something you guys would be interested in. And if you guys ever need uh, to have... An ear lent if you ever do need to talk about a traumatic event. We are here for you. Yeah. Send us a message. I totally get it. Send us an email. Yeah, totally. There are so many things like... And, you know, I am an open book about this. Like, I will literally talk about what happened to me. I'll say anything about it. I don't mind answering any questions at all. It really was like a learning experience for me. But there was just so many things I had never thought about that came up that was hard to deal with. And it can be, like, a really lonely place because it's just such a, like, crime things. When you're the victim of something like that, it's just so different. And you just have to keep on going with your life. Like, things are normal, kind of. Mm -hmm. So that's why I do think some sort of, like, online community would be really helpful. Because it's, like, people are there for you, but it's not even, like... When they understand, sometimes it just feels so awkward just talking about it and weird. It's just uncomfortable. So yeah, just know, though, you aren't ever alone. Like, take it from someone who's been there. It was really, really a dark experience at first, but it got so much better. And, like, 
I'm definitely a better person after it all. So, you know, if you're a survivor of anything, it gets better. Yep. <laughs> We're here for you. Yeah. So I think that'd be a good place to leave it, Jack. Thanks for sharing your story with us and always being so open. You're so yeah, inspiring no and I'm so proud of you for how far you've come. No problem. You can listen to my podcast, The Tea on Trauma. <laughs> Shameless <Yeah>. plug. <laughs> of course. I talk mindset. But Melissa, I know you have a story. Listen to The Tea on Trauma. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> yup. So, oh, uh, wait. Before I say, I feel like people might wonder. The guy did get uh, sentenced. I'm not sure exactly what his thing is, but I think he's like in um, a mental facility last time I checked. So that's all I know. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Mel. <laughs> so, okay, this is a really short one. I don't even... <laughs> oh, my God. This is crazy, though. This isn't even, like, that much crime, honestly. Like, this is nothing compared to Jackie's, but I thought I would throw it in there to lighten up the mood after her story, because I think back to it, and I'm like, what was going on in college? The craziest shit happened to me. <laughs> but when I was in college, I worked at this... You know, Jackie and I said we worked at pizza places, and I worked at this pizza place, and I actually wasn't even delivering at the time. I was doing other things. <laughs> But we got really busy at lunch, and something happened with the one driver, and they needed me to just take one delivery, and it was down the street from me. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll get out of this place for a little bit. I go, and I take my delivery, jam it out to my music. I get there. I take it up to the person. It's actually someone I went to high school with. <laughs> and I drop off the pizza, and I get back in the car, my music is still playing because it's connected to Bluetooth. It wasn't an aux cord or anything like that. So it was still playing. So I knew it was on me or around the car. And I drove away just thinking that I had left it on the seat. But as I drive, when I get probably a block or so away, it just disconnects totally. And Looking back on it, obviously now I like should have known it was weird because when you disconnect from Bluetooth, if you're walking away from Bluetooth, it'll start going in and out. You know how it is if you guys have had someone who gets out of the car with their phone when it's connected to Bluetooth. It won't just cut out it at once. It'll go in and out. And I just, I don't know why. I really don't know why, guys. I just drove back to the <laughs> damn pizza place. Even though it disconnected really fast, like two blocks away, I was only five minutes away from the pizza place, and I just drove back. I don't know why. I drove back, and I'm still, again, for some godforsaken reason, thinking maybe I dropped it under the seat, and it fell and disconnected that way. Girl. I don't know. Come on, girl. I know. And I look everywhere when I get back. I look everywhere in my car. And I'm just like, oh, no. I don't have my phone. And I go back into work. And I just I just honestly tell them, look, I think I might. At this point, I came to the conclusion I had to have gotten out of the car and had my phone in my hand, put it on the roof, grabbed the pizza, took it to this guy who was standing right at the door, and I had to have forgotten after, like, talking and realizing it was someone from high school, I had to have forgotten that I put my phone on the roof of the car and drove away. And I just, that was the only conclusion because it just disconnected so quickly. 
So all of that happened and I was going to go back and look for it, but I was five to like seven minutes away. And like I said, I knew that I was at the end of my parents' street when I took the pizza and it was probably two streets away when I disconnected the phone. So I called Jackie. It had literally been only five minutes since the phone would have fallen. And I called Jackie and I'm like, she'll just go pick it up. So I call Jackie. I'm like, Jack, I really, really need you to go down to the end of the street. I knew exactly where it disconnected. So I said, it had to have fallen off at that corner. Can you look around? And I did. Um, and yeah, it had been like five minutes and she had called me like on the pizza place phone. So I went and looked for her phone, like everywhere near where she said it was. I looked at the, the whole street, every yard. I looked in the alley behind the street where she was all around the apartment building, everywhere near where she was. I looked like really hard. People probably thought I was crazy. I was really looking it over. <laughs> You're like a sniffer dog. I, I literally was. I was like going back and forth, like combing the area. No, I didn't see it anywhere. I was like, what the heck? My mom even, I was so mad because yeah. I just couldn't understand how this happened. I called my mom and she retraced the way I drove because like I said, this was such a short distance. It was such a short distance and it was in the summer, so it was no big deal for her to walk down the streets, and she did. Okay. At this point, I just think maybe it fell into a sewer grate, maybe it got ran over, maybe something or other, but it's just gone now, and there's nothing I can do about it. That's that. It's gone. Sad. And that, so I just kind of honestly, I wasn't even that upset. I just figured it was gone, and... Jackie and I had already had plans to go out that night, and we planned to go out with probably four or five of our friends, three of them, and we're getting ready. I have This was literally five to six hours after she lost her phone. That, yep. The, the girls, our friends, did come over, and we're all getting ready and stuff, and I had texted and called her phone five million times, so many times, just thinking if someone picked it up, maybe they'll answer, and I can say, you know, it's lost, and every single time, it, it just rang, except one time, it rang twice, and then went to voicemail, which I did think was weird. And Jackie told me that, and the weird thing about that, so I probably dropped a phone around two and Jackie told me that happened around five or five thirty. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my phone's going to die. But then I kept calling it at work and it was still ringing. And Jackie and I said, that's kind of weird. But we just thought maybe it was just something odd that happened. Maybe the service is bad because like maybe it's in the dirt, maybe down in a gutter or something. Yeah. And yeah, so I went up about my shift. I've finished it at probably eight and by nine I was home doing my makeup and getting all glam to go out with my girlfriends. Glamazons. Yep. <laughs> and all of <laughs> <laughs> RuPaul wants you to drag. <laughs> oh, that was funny. But um 
So we're getting ready with the girls and one of my friends is there with us and all of a sudden I'm downstairs talking to my parents and I just hear No, me. I was upstairs and I was like, (gasps) I literally gasped. I hear a ginormous gasp (gasps) and Jackie runs down the steps as her feet go down the steps (laughs) and she comes down and she just goes, oh my God, Melissa, your phone just sent us a text in the girls group message. And I was like, oh. What? I was so... I was really confused at first. I just couldn't understand how that happened because I had a lock on my phone that was six digits, not even four or six. And tell them what it said. We look... my And Jackie shows me the text and it just says, fuck you. And that's what In it, the group message with us girls. So it had obviously been reading what we were doing that night, like, throughout the day, because I'm assuming that was, like, her last most recent conversation, was the girls pulling up to our house and saying, oh, I'm here, I'm here, and the person, that was what they said back. Yeah. And so then, I was just so shocked, and I was trying to process things, and my friend, my one friend, Courtney, crazy. my friend Courtney, the one who was in that story last week, just started going off on the person. Well deserved, and saying, like, I'm going to call the cops, this is stealing someone's phone. Yeah, you broke into- We can track it. And she said, the cops are already tracking it, making things up, and at first, the- person was replying really strange. They were saying stuff, you know, if you want to get your phone back, come get it. And yeah, then, like you can come meet me somewhere. Yeah. Saying come meet me somewhere and I'll just give it to you. And like, I just was weird, odd. It was like creepy. It was really weird. Really weird the way they were saying things. They definitely wanted to meet up. And yeah. I'm just, I was like, okay, absolutely not. Hell to the no. And then that was when my friend Courtney kept going off even more saying the police are tracking this phone right now and they know where it is and they're coming right now. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. Scare tactics. Of course. Get into their head, baby. And the person answers back after probably a couple minutes of silence. And also, after while this is going on and all these texts are being sent, my other friend, Angela, tells me that I'm liking things on Twitter and she can see it. She's like, yeah, I can just see you like to tweet from five minutes ago. And I'm like, oh my god, it's obviously not me. They're just going through all of my shit on my phone. I just knew it. It was a horrible feeling. Yes, they had clearly gone through her things. My entire things. And they finally say, after Courtney basically is battling them back and forth, (laughs) and just concrete, we are not going to meet you, bruh. Like, Yeah, give us the phone or the police are on their way, was like what she's saying. Bitch. And so she said that, and finally, after a couple of minutes of silence, but them playing around on my phone, doing who knows what on Twitter, (laughs) scrolling, after them just being me for a minute, (laughs) they sent a message saying, okay, I'll drop the phone off at a Little Caesars. And the the Little Caesars was on the opposite side of the little town that I live in. Not far, just five minutes. Not where she dropped the phone at at, all. At least five minutes from where I dropped it. So the person, it's not just, you know, 
someone definitely picked it up and took it back home to wherever they were and found a way to break into it because, like I said, it was six digits. And I don't even, I'm not even that familiar with iCloud or using anything like that. And yeah, I have no idea. I I wonder if they had a Mac, but I just don't know how they got into all my shit because, so my they say that they're going to drop it off at a Little Caesars and they say it's there. And I am so skeptical. I think it's not there. And I really think they're going to just murder me. And my parents at that point are like, oh, hell no. We're going to get the phone. Yeah. We're not playing this game. And both my parents go. And I'm just, at this point, they leave. And I'm just like, hee hee. Okay. So I just keep getting ready for the <laughs> yeah, so we're literally like still getting ready. <laughs> still getting ready. Doing my makeup. Putting on my tight leather skirt. I can remember that I wore. And right before we're about to go out, yeah, my parents come back and they did have the phone. And they said that the person at Little Caesars said that a teenager dropped it off or something and just put it on the counter and left. And they were kind of like, what the hell? And then probably two or three minutes after, my parents walked in. But my mom also said she didn't buy it. She thought it was kind of weird the way the people at the Little Caesars were acting. Not the the other people, just the person who had the phone and, like, the, you know, the registered person who said the guy dropped it off. Like, but who knows? My mom, I believe, was under the suspicion that the person yeah. at Little Caesars was the one who took it and somehow during their shift at work broke into it and then just said, oh, it's here, and then made up the story about some teenager dropping it off. Which isn't she- a bad... She said it was a creepy man and just he was acting really suspicious when my parents went to get it and he wouldn't let them see camera footage, I believe, when they asked. He said that the police would have to come ask for it. It's just weird. But either way, I got the phone back. But when I got it back, I looked and all of my apps were open, like all of my pictures, things had been scrolled back years. It was really creepy, like they went through my entire shit. And honestly, they're it's like sad, but it's so lucky that we were only teenagers and we weren't like that was still we used all cash. Like well, we weren't teenagers, but we, we kind were, of were. Like we were still only using cash. We weren't doing so much online yeah, buying God. and shopping. Like if that would happen today, somebody could like run us most it was, people in their 20s run you drive. They have it your was, phone. It was early enough that you didn't yeah. save your cards to your phone using Apple Pay or you didn't use apps or anything like that. So they would have had no way to get my money yeah. stuff. And oh my God, I never thought about that. Good point. They had no like cash flow to you, which was nice. But it was still so creepy knowing that they were just lurking on your stuff. And yeah. then I just wonder what of all things made them want to just hop in our group chat all of a sudden and be like fuck you yeah and just who picks up a phone that they found and just thinks to break into it when it when and ew do you know it's so creepy thinking mm. about them watching you call repeatedly ew that's Ugh. really creepy and they're just like yeah letting it go to voicemail that just gave me Ugh. the grossest feeling oh my god and then going through all of your things so creepy. Thanks. Thanks for saying that again. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All of your things, they're going through them. (laughs) 
You're a bit sorry. No, it's okay. It's funny. I mean, obviously it's funny now and nothing came from it because this was so many years ago. But just what the hell? Guys, be careful with your phones. I have I haven't knock on wood lost a phone since then. I've been really good with them, so always know where your phone is and don't let anyone creepy get it. Literally. And that is my little story. (laughs) Yeah, girl. (laughs) It didn't, obviously, was nothing compared to Jackie's, but it was weird and just, what the hell? That was so weird. But thank you guys for listening to our personal stories. Thank you for listening to one year of Ooh, That's Creepy. We seriously love doing this podcast so much, and it makes me so happy that you guys seem to enjoy it. We really do. And if you haven't seen, we are selling the stickers now. You can get two for $5. So come get some stickers. Get some stickies. We'll just keep saying it yeah. forever until they're gone. Stickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sticker demon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. So yeah, come buy the stickers. We should have a sticker company and call it Sticker Doodle. Oh, that's a good idea. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys. We'll see you guys next time. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.